the special editions were you know if, if they had gone in my house taken my original 1995 cassettes and replaced them with the special editions and said you can never see the 1995 Charles again I'd be saying well yeah you've ruined me you've literally ruined my childhood you've taken away my three most favourite items um, I still have those videos now I can't even watch them I don't even have the means to play them so people saying it ruined your childhood no, that's, that's bullshit right. it cannot be done Hey all you gals and guys, Grayson Parker Marcotte of the Sleeping Giant Podcast here with a brand new special edition Star Wars episode. We're going to simultaneously go off the rails and a bit back in time to just before the release of The Rise of Skywalker. I was able to nab Mr. John Galantini and Jude Gay of Blah Wars for a good time talk about our favorite saga. It's a guaranteed good time, so y'all go ahead and get comfy, because we are about to begin. John, Jude, are you there, sirs? We're yeah. here. Hello. Hello. Excellent. We are with Mr. John, Misters, I should say, John Galantini and uh, Jude Gay, and we are going to talk about, can you guess, Star Wars. Yep, I know, right? It's a big, big fucking shocker, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, John and Jude are the hosts of Blah Wars, which is, uh, in my opinion, the best Star Wars podcast that exists you heard currently. You here first. Well, that's good. That's true. Really? Have all that's the true. spectacular Star Wars podcasts out there. Well, I'll take that as a huge compliment. Well, thank, thank you. you very much. Trying to do it differently. I wouldn't say we're well, the best you... Star Wars podcast. <laughs> we're, we, might, we might be the best podcast, but we're not. Well, <laughs> I guess technically speaking, if you're one of the only Star Wars podcasts that I currently listen to, then I mean, on a you know, putting it out there technically, that the list isn't very long. So factor in personal bias. There you go. Us, um, no one else. But uh, one of those podcasts actually is Talk Star Wars, and that's how I first, yeah. I think, heard you guys. You were on the Talk Star Wars right. toy box. Yeah, we were. That was a long time ago. That was here on this table. Well, it was a different table, but in this very room. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Actually, you know, it's been so long, I'm getting the facts straight, or excuse me, the facts twisted. Um, we met on Instagram listen to the show and it might have been like one or two episodes in you were on talk talk star wars that's right um so ah. there was that not not that it's important now john yeah. and jude are, are almost solely responsible for getting me into the podcast game because i was like you know here are two dudes doing it i can do it too yeah exactly uh, the, you know what what we do podcasting is not technically difficult i don't think you just need to have a basic understanding of how to connect mics to software and you know I don't I just turn up and talk yeah, and you can a, figure it out I, I reckon if you played with enough uh, software you could do it it's not terribly difficult and um, you can do it on your own terms yeah so that was why we were able to do it really yeah there's nothing stopping anybody from making any kind of podcast yeah, but we've been fret threatening this show in particular to be on this show together for a long long time haven't we I've, I've yes. been on your show before on yep. my own talking yep. Harry Potter you've been on yep. you've been on Separately, right? Grace and Kate yes. Blah Wars. Um, we talked about various things, um, just for like a, just one-off episode. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, we talked about serial killing at, at one point, even. I mean, what, yeah, what we Blah did. Wars show like, isn't complete like without. Uh, I mean, <laughs> John likes a girl from these towns. Ta- if you haven't listened to I mean. the show, <laughs> it's not a Star Wars show. Well, it's, it's we, based we on a friendship that is formed around Star Wars. Yeah. Exactly. And mutual love for Star Wars. And tangents. 
Yeah, but you know, some shows we've talked about Star Wars <laughs> from start to finish. In some shows, we've gone off into dark personal stories. <laughs> well, hang on, or no, 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 just, just personal, <laughs> just dark stories. Just dark from stories. Things or that you, different maybe ideas. you've read nonsense yeah. drivel that you've read. You put a me. There's not a week by week that goes by where we put a show out there and I'm not I don't wake up in a cold sweat thinking <laughs> cut that we need to cut that or I've let something go and I'm angsty for the rest of the week I mean there's been situations where I've had him calling my old bosses CUNTs leaving that in the show they've heard it <laughs> and then we've had to buy them gifts and apologise and all this what else they took it in the spirit that was intended well, the, the thing is, we... these, this problem because these people are friends of mine. Yeah. And unfortunately, right. the relationship between me and them is not professional. <laughs> Yours well, is. Mine is, and that's that's the main problem. But I, the, the thing is, they, the show, especially in the early days, I'd swear my head off. Yeah. Um, and yeah. didn't really take it way too. I didn't take it seriously at all. And then we got pretty, we got quite popular. <laughs> And we had quite a few listens, and um, suddenly I'd be walking past people's desks at work, and they'd be listening to the show, and I wow. suddenly realised, hang on, this could have some sort of professional <laughs> impact here. I would um, imagine that was pretty cool, though, at the same time. It was pretty cool, but I th- I'm more anxious than, I think, worried about any kind... I, I couldn't be famous. I'm not saying I, we I, are famous. We do not care. I, I, I couldn't be famous. It would I, I I just couldn't do it. And even better living through chemistry, Jude. Right. But I you'll you'll I, be just fine. I, 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 we're we're not anywhere near. We don't hit any fate. But even just those few people listening to it was enough to make make me worried. But I think the thing well, is, we we put these. They're, they're two different. They're two. They're kind of characters, really. They are definitely exaggerated. We're not like that in real life. Yeah. Well, yeah. We are to a degree. If you see, when me and Judah together, we sort of become characters, even if we're not recording. Yeah. Sure. We, we have this sort of persona act that we just. The, my relationship to Judah is unlike anyone else's. It's almost that of a brother who yeah. I love deep down, but also I'm irritated by. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. That's, that's pretty, our yeah, relationship. spirit of any uh, I can any tell Jude, duo or or group. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I can say things to Jude that I can't say to anyone else because I know that Jude would take them constructively. You know? yeah, 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 And yeah. likewise, right? Yeah, so we can be very honest with each other. I think that's one of the secrets to our relationship. I mean, I don't see talking like this and actually doing. We did a show before this one and. It, I don't want to wind the show down. It's these moments that it just... Uh, yeah, you have moments like this where you we did, we're doing it earlier. Oh, this is so much fun. But also, back of my mind, I'm thinking, this is so much fun, but we've written off a whole evening here to do sure. one show. And it's taken all of this... You know, we're, we've been literally racing to get the show together ready for 8pm. Mm. It's very stressful. And mm-hmm. we'll both get very little sleep. And oh, we'll, it's worth it, because we enjoy it. it. But right. that's why we don't. That's why we can't do it as regularly right. as we did. Sure, it's and just, that's the other thing about podcasting. You mentioned the the simplicity of podcasting on a technical level. Yeah. But once once you start having to work with people's schedules and uh, oh. you, yeah, family stuff. I mean, like today, I didn't think that I was going to be able to do this with you guys yeah, because yeah, yeah. things shit got real. 
Uh, yeah. but, you know, I was able to kind of pull it back. Thank goodness. But I totally understand scheduling. If you want to have guests on your show, uh, not to mention guests that are, you know, in different time zones or fucking uh, different countries altogether. Yeah. You know, it can be it can be very challenging. I, I know there's a lot of people out there who do really well at sort of having their own YouTube channel and it's just them or their own podcast. And then you're, you're in complete control, whereas real life happens and you can make your plans to meet on Monday and whatever. Sure. And you can literally set your watches by it and then yeah. something happens and that can't happen then. So Solo podcasters also, they either have a tremendous <laughs> amount of charisma and and uh, interesting things to talk about or a combination of both. I don't really mm. fall into either category, so I desperately need somebody to bounce off of. I don't know of, about that. I've, I've uh, listened to sure. some of your monologues, and they're great. Yeah, I, you, your, your Vader monologue episode is really... Oh. That's really good. That's a showcase in how to do it well, right. Thank you. Exactly. I appreciate it. Uh, I've learned a lot since then, so I might I might do that in the future. Uh, but speaking of... Um, Speaking of Vader and Star Wars, I would I would really just love to talk to you guys, and we'll see where this conversation goes. But I would really love to talk to you all, uh, and you can take turns, you can just fire at will. I don't give a fuck. I want to know why do we do podcasts that are Star Wars podcasts? Why do we do podcasts where Star Wars is a common theme? I mean, clearly, as we were talking about earlier, I think um, before the show proper. If you have a Star Wars podcast, or if you're listening to a Star Wars podcast, there's you know it's unspoken that you fucking love it. Um, yeah. But I want to get into I want to get into that. Like, what? Why do we love Star Wars? What is it about this? And I hate using the word franchise. That just sounds yeah. so fucking phony to me. <laughs> um, the the saga, the series, the stories. What yeah. is it? Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> even that, I, was, I just hear little cash registers at that point. Yeah, I know, man. Um, so, what what is it about Star Wars that uh, that you guys love? Why do you keep watching the films over and over? Well, in answer to your first question, um, why are they, why do so many people talk about Star Wars? I think that those of us who are really passionate about Star Wars are just that passionate about it, and everybody has an opinion on something or they have noticed something in particular they've read something that's excited them that accompanies a film and a lot of the conversations we end up having tend to be revealing things to each other about you know about about the movies that we know mm. all this knowledge that we sort of soaked up in our 20s and 30s well, it's... and what do you think? I think that's why it's a I popular it's subject. People, I, I people never get tired of it. Yeah, it, it's trans. And also, it's a great subject yeah. for constant news. Well, it is you know now. what I mean? If we do a carry-on film podcast, we wouldn't be able to... <laughs> we wouldn't really have much in the <laughs> way of news. The would we? We'd be, we'd be repeating ourselves a lot, whereas I think Star Wars, where you've got that... It, it, with Star Wars, you can explore what's been, you can explore what's coming, and you can speculate about what you'd like to see. And you can. Well, I, I think there's. I mean, there's different formats and ways to do it. There's a, there's a podcast that was a minute start. What was it? Min, one minute. One minute Star Wars, where they take one minute of every single scene from every single film, and they do an hour show on that one dedicated minute. Dedicated to that one minute. And wow. There's, there's so much within the minute. I think it's called the Star Wars Minute, by the way, just yeah. to clarify. You know, and 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 that is an example of how much content and uh, visually rich 
detailing and background characters and you know bad CGI as John likes to point out <laughs> you know that in itself uh, is testament to the amount of craft and care and detailing and, and love that I think has gone into the production of these shows from everything from the music to the, yeah. the CGI the effects the puppetry all of that but I think from a fandom perspective there's something that really does transcend this whole idea of it being a franchise and, or a brand like okay. a brand for me because I work in branding is a is a feeling right so it's not the colour or the fonts or anything like that or the packaging or the toys it's a feeling that people have about a product or a service and unfortunately to talk about it in a professional sense that is exactly what it is but to understand sure. what that feeling is you kind of have to look at it from um, lots of different generations and then you get into like nostalgia and then you get into sort of tribals so what I mean by that is you've got you've got the uh, OT tribes, you've got your prequel tribes, you've got your sequel tribes, you've got your rebels tribes, you've got your comic tribes, and then you get people like I think yourself, Grayson, where you, you kind of I think pretty much like everything. Although I did see you put up on Instagram the other day, glad I don't have to buy these pieces of shite, and you were holding up uh, <laughs> the prequels, and I thought, oh, oh, okay, we've got okay, uh, we've got someone, you know. That's, uh, before we go forward, I want to make this as official as I possibly can. Um, <laughs> there will never be a point... <laughs> I, I can't even do this with a straight face. There will never be a point that I can sit down, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and say I, I'm so sorry, Mr. Luke Summerfield. Um, there will never be a point that I will be able to sit down and watch the prequels and say, good job. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there, man. It's just not going to happen. I don't accept but, them. I just don't. I don't. Well, you can you can you stick the fucking music at the start, and you can stick the music at the end, and you can give me the scrolling text. Sure. But they are not. Well, they, they don't even resemble made, Star Wars films. They were made. How we feel about them is irrelevant <laughs> because they were made and it is canon. So what I want to say is that I will never at any point think that they are academically uh, good films. However. If you and I think that I was talking to Luke about this. If you were to describe to me the prequels, like if you were to say, okay, who are the characters? What is the story? What happens? I would say, man, that sounds pretty fucking cool, you know. Um, especially since we already kind of knew a lot about uh, Anakin and Obi Wan. Well, you you know, we of... heard of the Clone Wars, but we didn't know what they were. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is, I really don't enjoy watching them. But as far as the story goes and the characters that we were given. And then all of the amazing things that we've gotten from the prequels, such right. as uh, Rebels, the Clone Wars, the characters, um, you, you know, like, like Soka like Tano, those, for example. Those, those narratives. Yeah, I, I love I love both of those shows. So as far as Star Wars goes, give it to me on paper. You know what I mean? Like, I would love yeah. to read the prequels on paper. I'll do that, but please, God, don't make me sit down and I, watch those movies. It's interesting you use the word academic there. Which I find well, really, I find it because the okay because that's I'm, and I'm not having a go. The and I find John uh, <laughs> goes down this 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 avenue. Is it encroaching on snobbery? Um, uh, no, and and I'll I, no. I can clarify that because take. Take for example, um, and I think this is a good example. Um, and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but take Twilight for example. I don't yeah. know if either of you have seen that movie or read the book. Yeah. 
Um, it's fucking awful, okay? Yeah. And I don't think that there are very many people that would, well, I take that back. There are probably a lot of people that would disagree with that statement. However, when I was all up in arms about this, and at this point I was a very snobby early 20-something. But are you target audience? Because uh, that seems so, like yeah, girls. Yeah, that was the argument. It was, you're not the target audience. You're not the target audience. So I was like, okay, check it. I'm going to read this book because you're right. It's not fair that I'm you know, dissing this without being familiar with the source material. I read it. It was fucking awful. But again, <laughs> I'm not I'm not the target audience. Yeah. However, just because I'm not a you know paid professional writer doesn't mean that I don't write and that it isn't a skill that I've developed yeah. over a very long period of time. So when I say academic, that means I'm taking a look at this thing objectively and judging it to be a piece of shit. So, you know, it's like uh, at that when I say academic, that's really what I mean. Um, you know, just picking picking things apart on a technical level, picking yeah. things apart on, you know, uh, as far as the exposition is concerned, character development. I mean, but this you know, goes, when this you put goes it all back together. into in, into feeling, right? Because as an adult, let's say I didn't grow up with those films, the prequels. Sure. I, I mean, I was fourteen when Episode One came out, and you know, I was still. I guess mystified by the Star Wars universe, and I think at that time I'd built the excitement up for Episode One so much mm-hmm. that well, we all did. There was nothing that was going to disappoint me, and I think I I held on to that. And it, even though there was Jar Jar and all of that, I knew I knew I knew Jar Jar was crap. I knew the CGI was crap. I was I you know looking back, but I was not going to let go of that uh, that excitement because. It sure. So much to me, and I didn't get to see it for a month uh, 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 until it, so it was released, and, I, and then I went to go and see it a month later. So I had a month gotcha. extra to kind of build this excitement up, and there was sure. no way I was letting that go. But I think you know, as an adult looking back, for sure, yeah. I mean, episode two especially, terrible. There is no the beats of the the story narrative running through those prequels. Yeah, pretty pretty damn awful. But I will say this: the music, John Williams. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying that it's it's all terrible. I mean, and that and and that's what I was hoping to clarify in that the statement that I made previous is that there are good things to come from them. Yeah. They're not, you know, it's not, you know, lock them away and and you know never have anything to do with them again because obviously you know there are, there are silver linings and whether we like it or not they're an integral part of the saga and everything that has come out of them since so you know they're they're just like you know the family members that we don't really talk about you know so much i mean there are maybe a few amusing stories that you share with friends and relatives here and there but you know you don't really want to take them to too many social functions mm. They've, they've uh, become that's, more memes than anything else i find the prequels yeah that's 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 how i feel about it um, the, but yeah, I mean, he, um, my feelings towards them, they, 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 if I can go back a little bit, um, my, I, I didn't enjoy them. I went, I went to see each one once, and I went with the expectation of obviously the first one. I was high expectation, and I didn't exactly put my finger on what I didn't like about them. I just came out feeling like I did not enjoy the film. I did not enjoy it. And the same with the second one, and the same with the third. And I wasn't interested in the marketing, I wasn't interested in collecting anything at all with a prequel era character on it, or any of that. I just didn't connect with them at all. They were not... They they felt felt 
like a universe apart from the three films that I had obsessed about in the previous five, six years. And I think one of the things when you ask what do we like so much about Star Wars, why Star Wars, aside from the films themselves, which obviously caught my imagination, I was very lucky to discover them about 95, the, um, just before they did the digital remastering, just before they did the special editions, that very same Christmas, for some miracle, I don't know why, Star Wars came back in the toy shops. I mean, they brought back... Has, um, Kenner brought out the, the figures. Um, the Power of the Force. Yep. Advent calendars. Yep. Um, uh, the VHS came out again in the shops. Um, that, that you, could buy, you could go in shops and actually see Star Wars books and comics. And what that meant was, okay, Star Wars is just is more now than just three two-hour movies, I can actually discover more about it. Yeah, but you know, George Lucas, that's a, that's a deliberate marketing ploy. Of to course. Get, to hook I, you back in. I, I know, I know. the resurrection. Right. Yes, exactly. And so, coming and, but back. The, the, biggest, the biggest thing for me, I think, was they were a distraction. The Star Wars films at the time, for me, were a distraction. My parents were in the, in the process of separating. They were definitely on the road to separation. They separated when I was 13, quite a lot time, long time later. But they were a escapism. distraction, escapism. Yeah. And um, the particularly the cards, the Star Wars customizable card game, which is a very little-known Magic the Gathering-style Star Wars game, which in which every single conceivable item, um, location, uh, character, even the most minor background characters who walk past the camera and aren't seen again are given names and a short bio and you get really detailed photos of them and so to have in my hands these cards with extreme close-up photos of what Han Solo's blaster looks like for example yeah. or just a, a typical blaster in Mos Eisley yeah. you know, shot against the surface of the floor in Mos Eisley you suddenly realise oh my god look at all this detail you can almost reach in and touch it mm. Matt was the most exciting thing Tangible. for me the idea that this, there was, this was actual breathing living world and yeah. that meant there was endless possibilities for adventures in it and I think right. that was what excited me most and drew, drew me into Star well, Wars well, you, you're getting that now you're getting that endless possibilities now with like, I'm certainly uh, feeling it in the Mandalorian and yeah, the yeah. trilogy <laughs> talk and... I, I agree I'm so, I, I felt it again in the when I saw The Force Awakens at the cinema um, I felt like Star Wars was real again and there was so much detail and it felt real probably because it was real real sets you know real spaceships built which people can climb into droids that are actually real all these props on the set it felt really it looked real again and it was far more immersive yes that's exactly the word I'm looking for here and the same with Rogue One particularly Rogue One which just I don't think they'll ever top that in terms of that Taking you back. Taking, that was my chief sucking concern. you into yeah. that world at a precise time. I didn't and, think they would be able to pull that off, but they did it brilliantly. And they bring in so many amazing new characters as well. Not just the heroes, but I'm, I'm talking about Krennic, for example. He's fascinating. Mm. The yeah, oh Ben Mendelsohn too. He, ben Mendelsohn. he I think lent an incredible amount to that. I character. mean, what a shame is just that will that will uh, that will forever be his role in Star Wars. That just that short one-off film. Um, that's the sort of character who would develop over a trilogy. Mm. Um, but anyway, 
I'm going. I'm straying. The, the prequels. Oh, that's fine. They, they, yeah, they just didn't live up to that. That all that I built up, all that hope, and they was they were far too bright and sunny when they were supposed to be dark. It didn't feel real. Um, yeah. The transformation from Anakin to Vader happened so quickly that it didn't feel real. And there was just these vast sections where they would walk, wander off. The characters would disappear into a completely CGI world, and it would just copy and paste stormtroopers all walking in um, unison. The, the, that clone poor, troopers get it right, mate. Clone troopers, whatever you call them. That the one thing I really objected to Go was on. the idea that Boba Fett is this clone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, he, that. And he's this sort of hunky guy from New Zealand. Um, so the most interesting mysterious character in the entire original Star Wars trilogy is actually one of thousands if not millions yeah. of exactly sure. identical people I just thought that was fucking I'm actually ridiculous. holding the, <laughs> I'm, I'm holding an autograph of Daniel Logan and Daniel Logan by the way will we'll always love you as Boba Fett uh, and the reason why <laughs> check this check this out though this Daniel kind of Logan this is goes a child. into yeah um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Boba Fett I mean, he, he has grown he this is this is where the Clone Wars are really fucking cool um and this is an example of them sort of I don't want to say fixing the prequels but you know sort of making lemonade from lemons in my opinion is you have the Clone Wars where they're and I don't remember which season it, it, it is in Jude you might recall better than I. Um, but there is an arc for Boba Fett um, as he grows from a younger kid into a young man, and it's really cool. You know, like you you just kind of forget, and that is what was so cool about some of those shows. They kind of made you forget the misgivings of the prequels because there there was good story, there was good direction. Dave Filoni, I mean, he he gets Star Wars. Oh yeah, absolutely. And this is why I'm absolutely. so excited for the Mandalorian because I think he di- he's directed the first uh, episode, uh, the Mandalorian. So I don't remember which. I know that he is definitely directing one or more of them. Yeah, so he, it's going to have a, a real sort of Rebels and Clone Wars vibe. I hope. Um, he, I think he just understands everything that John was saying there about those real tactile, tangible details that you could reach into these cards and grab them. I mean, just seeing the sure. trailers and some of the stuff in Mandalorian, it feels like that plus more. And everything Rogue One and everything in between, it, it just feels like uh, going back to... And this is where I've, I've been saying this on our podcast for ages. One thing I've missed out of this sequel trilogy... It's familiarity. Is, yeah, is, is going back to places we know. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for me, the joy of the prequels not, it isn't necessarily the characters or the story plots it's going back to Tatooine it's going back to um, especially in episode one um, you know you're not going to Mos Eisley but you're going to Mos Esper and then you, see, you know in episode two you're going back to the um, the, the farmstead and all these all these little details um, that you're familiar with and it puts you back in that world it's not necessarily a uh, a, a great story I agree with you on that it's not great CGI but it's, it's those nostalgic things that you kind of go yeah yeah I get that and that's kind of as a 14 year old that's what I kind of dug into and believed. sure um, well speaking yeah. of the world let me ask you um, and I don't necessarily I don't necessarily want to censor or you know take complete control of the conversation but I do want to say that I don't 
want to go down the avenue of of whether or not George Lucas is a genius or an you know evil fucking capitalist or both. Um, however, I will I'll put this to you in the way of a question: Do you feel that the simplicity of Star Wars, where and I don't mean this necessarily in a negative way, where it very much seemed like take A New Hope or what was Star Wars in '77, uh, George very much cut and pasted the hero's journey. I mean, he was very much a student and admirer of Campbell's theory and philosophy on on character and story and mythology. Do you think that it's that simplicity that enabled such a complex and an almost infinite framework to be built around it? Because I've been, you know, I've been listening to you guys and I've been thinking, mm. you know, that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, you guys have mentioned several times the immersiveness, the just how you can get lost in the world. Uh, I almost think that if Star Wars would have been too complex in the beginning, that might have worked against it. So really good point. Really nobody, good point. nobody sets anything up in Star Wars. It, 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 you're presented with it immediately, and there's no kind of explaining this is a spaceship or anything like that. Yeah. It just throws you straight in, and because of the familiar mytho- mythological aspects, I think you immediately identify with it as a, as a viewer. Yeah. And it doesn't feel too alien, and and all of that, it, you know, it is virtuous of is essentially a fairy tale. Um, that that is taking place in a completely original setting, which is well, I, I think that's a really good point about the basics of that story. That story arc is super simple, and that's the skeleton, and it it allows you to then dress that skeleton in. Uh, well, they did lots it. Of they dress that details. skeleton in, you know, um, Hidden Fortress, for example. I mean, you put that, you said that in ancient Japan. Yeah. Still, the story still works. Yeah. Take it out of space. But it's, 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 it's simple little things like, um, you know, make it look used, make it look dirty. So, yeah, that was brave. I mean, that was yeah. really that was really revolutionary. Because if you look at 2001 before that, which is undoubtedly one of the most impressive special effects films ever, everything looks shining new and yeah. fantastically. But what, you, what you instantly do with that visually is yeah. you give it a past, you give it a history, you give it a mystery. Oh, why is why is R2 scratched to hell? Like no, why is no. Now you, now you mention it, it might be why I'm obsessed with, in particular, Alien, the, the original Alien film. I have so many books about it, and they're all very, they're like coffee table books, you know, photographic. Uh, you can really see the detail of the sets. You can pull out all the schematics. Um, yeah, you, you believe the, that world. Yeah, right. I believe that yeah. world exists because the logo is on not just their uniforms, but also it's on the, you know, the, the Whaling Utani logo or whatever. It's just, it's on things around the ship, like... Um, when she's destructing the ship, the logo is just in the corner of the plate, giving her instructions on how to do yeah, it. The detail, it's yeah. just the design. I think that's why I've always been drawn to the care that has gone into mo- into designing movies, making them feel real, a bit like the world in Blade Runner. Um, and I think maybe that's what I, I something clicked when I saw Star Wars when I was younger, um, and it awoke that in me. Awoke, awakened. <laughs> I, I gotta say, that's one thing I I remember. I've only being... just become aware of this now, having this conversation. Well, it's, it's but a, I, but I, that's why I particularly invest in films with it. the detail. But this, I think, going back again to the prequels, so to bring it up again, the one thing that did disappoint me, and I remember feeling this with a kid, was the Doug Chang um, uh, 
spaceship designs. So say take the Queen Amadella's um, oh. ship. You know, it's it's pristine. They just it's don't just, really belong in that world. Maybe that's another reason why right. I felt that I, I was watching a totally. I, I felt like I was watching like Lost in Space, as it, I'm talking about the '90s film. Yeah, Lost in Space, yeah. like Men in Black or something. It just felt like you know, another well, generic '90s sci-fi movie. Even TC14 at the beginning. Um, when, sure. You know, t- well, I, t- t- I do t- think, and maybe they just laid it on too thick, um, because we were speaking of the design of the ships and the machinery and droids, etc., in the original trilogy, and I could not tell you where I heard this or read it. I mean, it's probably exists in, in multiple formats at this point, but I remember uh, Lucas saying that when he was talking about the Rebels in particular, that he wanted that grungy aesthetic because they were broke you know they didn't have any but money but it's not just the rebels and, is it i mean most, most sure no it's and, not and if yeah, you look around the hangar bays and the death star and right whatever, everything so it's, does it's look like a bit a, more rubbed down and dirty well it's a post it's you know it's a post-war environment essentially um mm-hmm. so i'm thinking though in one way or another i believe that that is what he said so when you jump back what was it like 30 years somewhere or 20 years give or take I'm, I'm not sure as far as the timeline goes but yeah that's not a lot of time so i could see if you're trying to create that juxtaposition of oh shiny and new um the empire made everything terrible everything is broken that that's a really short amount of time right to create that big a difference so i'm i i think there's a reason for it but i don't think it was executed well yeah perhaps but uh, I mean, you know, and that's the thing too. It's this. Uh, but another, once you, another once you go small down that thing road. is like, you know, the the interfaces they use, the technology they have in the in the sequel in, in the prequel, sorry, seems far more advanced but this is than the, the problem stuff we have in the OT. No, the reason for that was that when they came to do the prequels, they could literally do anything because they had CGI, and so they did do sure. anything, exactly. and then nobody questioned it. Exactly. And I think George <laughs> Lucas was in complete control. And no, everybody thought, well, this is the man that invented Star Wars and directed the original Star Wars film. Who are we to question his vision? Yeah, and I, is, even when it was the wrong thing to go with. But this is why Rogue One is so good, because they even got the user interface absolutely bang on. Yeah, on 100%. Those ships. Yeah. And, and, and it was. I mean, the, God, I can't say enough good things about that film, really. Bringing like, old clips back from A New Hope for um, from the Death Star trench yeah. run bringing those same pilots back for for rogue one it was just incredibly it's those small details that make the difference but um but they're doing this in solo John, i mean the, the interface design and whatever or just a set design and the prop design the costume design feels like it belongs in the ot universe yeah. but solo is basically right. taking place when episode three takes place so really yeah. You could argue that everything from the prequel should look like it well, belongs in that world well, too. Well, one thing I love about John is that he gets it. He gets, he gets <laughs> no, you do get subs, but you get those. You get the, the different layers and, and the the little nuances, and that you pick up on things that people don't I think always I, pick up. I think on. I put my finger on it right. This the, this is the best way I can yeah, sum I, it up. To well, me, the prequel you come feel... you come from a place of of loving film. You know, you, right. you and yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem to love just about everything that goes into the creation and of a film. Don't get me and, wrong, and you're Ryan. quite knowledgeable. I, I do appreciate CGI. Terminator two, fantastic. I mean the Abyss, amazing. And and there are lots of examples of a fantastic CGI crossed with model work and whatever, practical effects used in film. I think you do need it. Um 
when it came to the prequels, I think I I personally see them. They they don't feel like movies to me. They feel like video game cutscenes glued together. Right, Lara Croft with you know actors reading their lines without very much purpose or whatever. The the characters seem cartoony. A lot of the particularly the villains in very pantomimey. But this is the, this like is general the, this grievous is the point I wanted to make. You hit the nail on the head for me when you said, and we still haven't done it. You want us to rewrite the prequels? We did a bit of a, a, a chat on this, where he described his vision for what the prequels would be, and even little subtle things like the way Vader talks in the OT. It it is not how Anakin talks at all. Yeah, and in the prequels, Anakin talks like this, you know, ridiculous little child. Even the even as an all the way up to the the, the uh, Revenge of the Sith. I will say that still throws me to this day if yeah. I'm reading. Um, if I'm reading a comic or a novel, usually a comic these days, mm. which, by the way, if you haven't read Charles Sewell's run on Vader, fucking fix your shit because yeah, it is amazing. And, and the dialogue in those feels exactly right. That right. is exactly how Vader would talk. The, his, Vader seems to think before he talks. He chooses words very carefully. I have no, I do not believe that the character of Anakin Skywalker we see in the prequels is that same he person. Was stroppy. I cannot believe Vader is make considered right. You know, he's yes. every every he's move. Wise. Every... He's extremely wise, and and and, and the, the the Anakin we got in the sequels is reckless. He takes ridiculous risks, and he's got a horrible attitude, and he's just a really unpleasant <laughs> character to watch. But he's you're... an unpleasant character. I don't feel any sympathy for him at all, and I don't I don't I don't feel any relationship but, to him. I don't I don't accept it's Vader. The pro- the problem is, John, is that you you took my. Um, boyhood love of the prequels and you kind of ruined it because you're I'm descri- glad well your description of what the prequels could have been in context of the aesthetics and the story of the original trilogy and the way you describe it to us uh, did you say this on the show but it was really really well done like you know Anakin should be sort of like a late 30s sort of Han Solo age character maybe he's gone through a load of stuff He's, he's Shakespearean. Him and Obi Wan have yeah, got we, a past. You don't even have to tap into that. Yeah, um, I mean the, the based. I think I do remember that. Yeah, actually. I mean, ultimately, I, I felt felt that Anakin's far too young, and he sh- he should already be an ex- experienced adult. He's very yeah. good at being a pilot, and maybe even a, a general or something like that. Yeah. But he has these abilities he doesn't understand, and he also has passions that he doesn't know how to govern. Um, Indeed. And I, I don't know what it is, but if you pay attention to Vader also, uh, you covered a lot of the, the important aspects, in my opinion, the uh, the sort of um, the slowly or excuse me, the slow methodical way in which he tends to, to think before he speaks. That lends itself to the mastery of the sickest burns uh, that yeah. he spits mm-hmm. left and right <laughs> in, in the movies, but also those comics. Because you use that as an example, I think, and uh, you know that does that doesn't come out of nowhere. I mean, if you if you removed Vader from some of the context that he's in, he's fucking hilarious. Hmm. I mean, he 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 will he will throw him at you left and right. These zingers. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, people people were like um, criticizing his dialoguing in Rogue One, saying like, "Don't choke on you," criticizing the "Don't choke on your aspirations." I was like. That's exactly how Vader talks. That yeah, is exactly yeah, that was that was awesome. He does make <laughs> puns like that. You know, mm. he does say things like threat. He threatens people. I mean, he's constantly. got the power, so he can, he can afford to make those puns. Yeah, the the Emperor is not as sympathetic as I, is not as forgiving as I am. 
that is a joke. He yeah. is a sick right. joke. Knowing full, everyone knows full well that if you fuck up for, for Darth Vader, you <laughs> get strangled. Well, do, do you know what? The, the, I mean, one that just Rogue One again. The beauty of that for me was Vader was scary again. Oh Christ, yeah. Like because he yes. became a bit of a joke, I think, after Revenge but of the Sith. Why didn't one thing yeah. that really annoys me? Vader's appearance in Revenge of the Sith. The the at the main insult. It doesn't look See, like is, him. You mentioned love hate. This is where we. It doesn't ed- look ed- like him. To... They what they did was they didn't even bother to make it look. They, they they said well this time around it should be quite easy to make a Darth Vader costume. We'll just completely redesign it. We'll take away all <laughs> these imperfections mm. and we'll we'll make it symmetrical and we'll make the the, the you know the mask smaller and like that and we'll make the 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 shoulder pads incredibly wide and then you end up with a Vader looks really weird sure. and it, it doesn't look it looks familiar but it's not actually the one and then you see in Rogue One it's like fuck that is that is the one that is actually the reason why is because there are imperfections in the mask it's not symmetrical and there's little details yeah. they hit you and they remind you when you're a didn't kid. Didn't even clean And it. it's like, boom. There he Do you know what annoys me the most about that scene? They didn't even take his clothes off, mate. What are you talking they about? They didn't take his clothes off when they put the suit on him. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, been, that, that always I mean, I imagine the Emperor me tried. Like... I'll just take this bit of burnt T-shirt. Oh, no, the skin's coming off of it. Forget, leave it on. They'll send me yeah. a TCP and that'll be... Wipe your suit on, mate. Yeah, that's very upsetting. I mean, if... Yeah, I've never been burned that badly, but I've known people that not. have been burned that badly in places, oh, and shit. the way that clothing fuses to flesh right. and whatnot. You know, I mean, those are some serious. I don't know maybe he's got some sort of nanotechnology that cleans him from the inside out, right? I, fuck, yeah, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Double-edged sword, though, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Love, hate, and you know, it's interesting to me that it has I become this way. I mean, granted, I, I literally hate it. Well, the prequels, they were the catalyst for what we now have, um, because I don't think you can even get online. You can't get on Twitter or Instagram and see a positive Star Wars statement that's not preceded or followed up by something fucking horrible. Um, so people really fucking hate some of these things. So, I mean, like, to a horrible, awful level that I really don't even want to... It's the ones where people say, like... The, it's the ones where people say, like, fucking sequel trilogy, I hate it so much. And it's like... Then they go on and you look at their posts and they're crazy about the prequels. Yeah, it's like, don't. well, it's your, your opinion does not matter. It's because, you're, it's, because it's... It is just that. It's, it's, it's simply because they the grew film. up with those prequels it's there. they are they are their favorites because they were the ones that we right. grew up growing up with but it's, 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 it's more than that but then there are it's, people it's... out there who you know watch power rangers and actually think it's a good show well and all, yeah. i never understood that when i was a kid hey there's uh, there's a kid on youtube right <laughs> totally going off on a tangent right, on your sorry, show mate, he, he, we've hijacked your sorry show. mate sorry it's coming up to six i knew what I, I knew what i was getting into <laughs> he 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 reckons he can what's that oh what's that um Dude's looking at me. Was that cartoon just... where they go um, hyper? They turn into these hyper crazy guys with yellow hair. So it's like manga. Are you thinking of Dragon Ball Z? Dragon Ball Is Z. that the deal? He tries to sit there and he believes that if he tries hard enough and shakes little bit, <laughs> he will turn into one of these Dragon Balls. You're telling it's me as so a kid you un... never tried to move an object by well, extending course. your hand and just feeling 
tensing your arm up to the point where you were absolutely sure that you could move the pen. I or still whatever. did. I definitely did that. Yeah, so many I times haven't as a stopped. No. Yeah, it's, that's oh, that's coming. That case. is coming with me till the day I die. Um, and, and I think uh, that was that was the deal with uh, Silent Bob. I think in Mallrats, right? right? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I the, absolutely. I I adore Kevin I Smith. Mean, I, I, I um, still do the the thing where you go up to the doors and oh uh, yeah, pretend yeah, to without a doubt. The force. I don't give a fuck who's watching. Yeah. <laughs> <Full> <laughs> it happens every single time. <laughs> um, but with the with the love hate aspect, we're in a very unique place. Um, and being is that you know I do want to talk about the love of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I want to talk time. about some of the theme right. Um, it's all in the spirit of love. I want to talk about some of the themes that we appreciate the most in Star Wars. Um, but um, before we do that, I want to kind of stay on point in that it's so big now, and we live in a strange time where information is king uh, or queen, depending. And uh, you can you, you can you can't even get your head around um, the way fictions and and we'll just say franchises and brands exist and i want to ask you what your opinion is as far as star wars as a brand uh god it tastes so filthy every time i say it um how at what point does it cease to belong to the creators and at what point does if at all does it begin to belong to the fans and the people that i'll just say it point blank believe in it that's a really good question. I, I think if you release, if you make a film and you release that, then you have let go of it. It is, it is, it is. It then goes out in the world and it will take on other meanings. People will watch that and they will respond to it. And it's very unlikely you will have an effect anywhere near what Star Wars had. But it, you know, these things take on new meanings. That that is the kind of thing that. I think that is why so many people, including myself, object to the idea of going back and fiddling with these things, changing them. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for restorations. You know, I'm so I'm, I'm a massive Blu-ray collector. I love getting hold of a, a, a film I love and seeing it. Sure. All the crackles and the lines, like they've done the, the Bond movies, mm. they look fantastic. They sound incredible, but they haven't gone in and put CGI sequences in well, on top it's an interesting point because you could say you're uh, I mean and I, I could say this as but a now if you creative. go and see a Star Wars film at the cinema one of the original three you get shown this version and it's like okay I don't want that one I want the fucking the one I saw when I was a kid so, so the type of work I do just to try and give you some context for how I want to explain this is so I do a lot of creative direction and I work on various things for sort of advertising and brands and stuff and you put a lot of energy into creating this thing now I definitely side on the fence of design and not art so it's not a personal thing I'm designing something for use for purpose for um, for people to enjoy and a part of that I need to consider the audience I need to consider what they perhaps want but some of that is I have to do a bunch of user testing, so I have to test uh, ideas and theories and methodologies and products and services with people, and sometimes the results can. And when I first started doing that, the results really kind of popped my ego, 
as a sort of a, a creative and and feeling like I had this ownership of this thing for then the, the, the users and the people looking at this to come back and say, no, that's not good. And it's a similar thing, I think, for like you take, um, well, you could take George Lucas, you could take Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, I really felt, became more of an artist of this thing and felt really quite... Uh, responsible for the whole thing and, and maybe didn't listen enough or tried to be too different and and I think that's what's jarred and split fandom right down the middle is did he get Star Wars did he listen to um, people, the fans or did he just take this thing and do his own thing sure. with it and become more of an artist rather than a I don't designer think... do, do, you, I, do you know I, what I mean? I don't think directors should be listening to fans. I mean, and that's I, one of the reasons I wanted to ask this is because it it is so much deeper, evidently, because Star Wars it is its own self-propagating mythology at this point. Yeah, it's man. a it's a real thing. So at this point, just to say that you did or did not like the movie, it's so much more than that. You know, I mean, it really did create a rift. The Last Jedi did. So let me frame this another way. Uh, do you feel that people or fans, I should say, are justified in, and I'm not saying that anyone is right or wrong, but do you feel that on either side that, that there's a justification for the strength and depth of your feelings, whether you are pro The Last Jedi or very much against it? This well, investment in, in time, I think. This in, is the thing for me. In specific regards to The Last Jedi? Sure, because I mean that—that's the one I think that did it. That's the one that well, really, like, the paradigm shifted. Can I go and then I'm going to give you the mic? Because uh, so for, for me, it's the years of investment on this, on this timeline and and this mythology and these stories and these characters and these, um, I I don't want to say rules of 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 how the force is used or whatever, but. It kind of there's a there's a there's a beat, right? It kind of makes sense. It all feels like part of the same thing. The stories are different, but part of the same thing. And I think the Last Jedi, if it was a standalone film and the first thing without the history and the heritage and the years and the four decades of of nostalgia, then I think yeah, cool, great. It's not be very entertaining, right? Because but, it relies heavily. Everything in the Last Jedi relies heavily on what's what's already been established I over the previous film I, but I don't agree with that I think it kind of just does whatever the fuck it wants to do but bleep me out I don't swear anyone podcast um, <laughs> no, I, I think you'll be alright <laughs> I, I just think it just does whatever it wants to do and and I think it just does stupid things like the iron iron coming down you think it's a ship and it's an iron and then this <laughs> stupid tangent with Finn running off to this casino planet meeting some guy that just it's completely superfluous doesn't develop the narrative of the characters or the story then you've got this whole phasma thing which was so weak and clearly just a plot and a ploy to sell I think it was to, no I think it was to give her something to do in that film because they had a character they created in the force awakens it's yeah. stuff like that it just became so fragile and so obvious um, and this is where I think the, By the fran way, franchise ten broke pounds that says she's back in this it film. Better not be. I bet she is. And I think to your Different point, outfit, Grayson, like the, the franchise almost breaks the fourth wall a little bit when you're doing stuff like that, when you're clearly pl placing characters into the film to sell toys. You're br you're breaking the believability of this mythology, 
and there was too much of that I think for me in The Last Jedi like the Porgs like Phasma like these ridiculous characters that didn't need to be there let Akbar die let him be the hero he's like a heritage character that people have put time and effort and 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 <laughs> they've read into this character they've, he's they've, in the last year like, the return year for yeah, like 15 and minutes and books and okay stuff. you know the, you know people just sure. because we had a toy of him once doesn't necessarily mean yeah, but that toy I, I spent years uh playing with and i have fond memories of that suddenly some uh new character turns up and that we don't know we've got no investment in there's no sort of deep character arc there and suddenly she becomes this heroine forget about it like so you feel very strongly about this clearly and i I would just like to interject very quickly and and ask you this not that i'm you know attempting to psychoanalyze or maybe i am i don't know um (laughs) do you think do you think that on the whole you're taking fandom, so you're not really talking about individual people. You're talking about a collective at this point. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't, you know, want to get too deep into you know esoteric psychology or anything to that degree. But you have this collective, and it's split right down the middle. I would almost be willing. In fact, I'm very willing to suggest that you have, and when I say you, of course, I mean Star Wars has violated a trust. And I think that what's happened is that you've got this collection of fans and geeks and nerds that, you know, they're not going to cop to that. You know, a lot of people, I mean, Jesus Christ, I'm, you know, on the wrong side of 30 and I still have difficulty sussing out my feelings. But if you if you're going to violate trust Mm. that has been built, as you said, you know, you're talking four decades of trust in something and then it's been violated. It's not really a surprise that there's a backlash. That's maybe right. I'm you, you, maybe I'm right. reaching. No, no, it's more than a film. It's a relationship because relationships built on time and experience and effort you know what? Put into something. Maybe this didn't. This wasn't a problem for me. The reason, probably, the reason why I liked the Last Jedi, I didn't feel any of that backlash. Uh, I obviously had things I didn't like about the film, but they were they were the, quite insignificant really compared to the stuff I've heard from everybody else. So the divide is huge. But I think I went through all this when I saw the prequels. That was when I tell you, <laughs> that I, was your time. I think that was it. I think I just did this before everybody else because that was when I departed. <clears throat> that was when I said like this isn't for me anymore. And I did go back and see hey. each of them on release, but then I came, came out thinking no. Do you know what? Nope, not going to own if, these. If, not going to. And I still to this day, Jigman proved me. Uh, can confirm this. I don't even have. No, he doesn't. I don't have them. I don't even own them. I, I own nothing at all. No, I'm getting you for Christmas. I won't buy a fucking book of spaceships <laughs> from Star Wars if it mentions anything about the prequels. Right. I'm not interested. I don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I. I but the, the answer to your question, do you know? I, I I know what you mean about the whole, the trust. It, it they've spent so long establishing a, um, production audience trust uh, and that for me was broken in the in the 90s early 2000s and when Disney came along I felt it felt like okay we're going to do this right it's going to be done properly and I don't I have not been disappointed um, apart from maybe Solo but then I didn't think that was I wasn't going in there with it this is this is how I feel about The Last Jedi very simply put I think as a stand, I mean standalone, and just in terms of 
visuals and aesthetic. I remember being there, blown away, uh, and squealing next to John and touching his leg and all kinds of stuff. Just various Many scenes, moments. just sort of like the the visual impact is is beautiful. But I think afterwards, coming away and really thinking about it, and then trying to th- think about how it sinks in and fits in with the rest of the stories that have gone before, mm-hmm. just didn't fit right with me. I felt sure there was something wrong. My gut was saying there was something wrong. But I think if it was... Um, so there's two ways I think about this sequel trilogy. If The Last Jedi was the first film of the sequel trilogy, I'd buy it. But even so, I the way Episode Nine has been set up, it feels very much like the, the second act, act of um, the trilogy... And it's almost like the last Jedi hasn't happened, and we're answering a bunch of questions that I want to be answered from uh, the Force Awakens. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to be J.J. Abrams. Yeah, because point. he comes back to his thing, which he was never meant to do. That ninth film, he was supposed to be, he was supposed to be directed by Colin Trevorrow, right? Mm. He comes back to the ninth film. He has to clean up the mess and also reunite a divided fandom but this goes back to the user and base we use a test stuff that film is essentially a it, it got released and they are they need to make money it got incredible reviews <laughs> on release yeah but that's by critics yeah. that don't and get... then you ended up with a load of like uh, racists and, and bigots and everything saying like uh, sexists complaining about it and then you ended up with people complaining about is it destroyed my childhood it's like okay well if a film's able to go back in time and ruin your childhood even when I saw the fucking prequels it didn't ruin my childhood I still went home and loved my original films yeah of course yeah but <laughs> yeah. You, you've, you've hit them on the head with the trust thing that's like kind of it's we put our trust now. in these filmmakers because we personally although we've all got opinions on what should happen we do not have the ability to do it ourselves which is one of the reasons why you got so excited about the idea of us writing prequels. I'm sorry, pointing at you there. Rewriting the prequels it meant we would have control over these three stories. Um, but it's also an enormous task, which is why sure. we've not been able I'd to, still love to do to it. Do it. No, I'd love to. I'd like to do you know what? I'd like to, you know, if we if we ramping the show down, if we do three shows next year, good three good <laughs> shows, I'd rather spend a lot of time write, rewriting the prequels and releasing three decent blah blah yeah, shows. Radio yeah, radio plays. Yeah, it'll it'll be good. It'll be done when it's good. I think the saying goes. Yeah, but we we all we we trust these filmmakers to give us what we want. We've gone on such a um, huge tangent. And uh, and obviously, you're never going to please everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, I, split that's absolutely true. Middle, and right? yes, it, it, we did go off on a tangent. But the fact that we feel so strongly to this is going around about. You're never going to have a conversation you know, with us you, about Star Wars and not mention But we haven't tangents. talked about eating people yet. So that <laughs> I think that we've actually been pretty successful. Yeah. Um, so we do we do need to talk about something very important um, because I can't wrap the show up without doing this and um, I want to know because there is so much more to Star Wars obviously than uh, than ships and, and hyperspace and blasters you know there are deep running themes and, and yeah. uh, themes and ideas that resonate tremendously for so many people and uh, you know for me personally 
that's probably why I love Star Wars. I mean, don't get me wrong, I fucking I love lightsabers. Like when I was a kid, and I still do this. The other day, I was with my daughter. We were <laughs> drawing at the table, and I started. Uh, I grabbed a ruler and started plotting out lightsaber hilts because I just I love creating lightsaber hilts. Yeah. Some of them, you know, I try to build, but that's neither here nor there. I love that aspect of Star Wars, um, but I would straight up kill myself with a lightsaber, so I'm going to be real about it and say that the most attractive thing to me is the Force and the relationships that people have with one another. Um, to me, that is that is Star Wars, and that is why I love it and will always love it. Um, so I would like to hear from you guys and just kind of get your thoughts and, and attitude as well. Okay, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, I... I mean, I love the Force, um, but what I love, I think, most about Star Wars is the breadth and depth of culture, um, the breadth and depth of class systems. You can go from Jabba's Palace, uh, which is sort of the lowest of the low, and you've got prisoners and scum of the universe to suddenly the highest of the imperial society with the emperor the next scene and it's just, it's the same sort of theme you get this, you get to see this entire scale of class and culture running through every single film you know uh, you know from Tatooine to Naboo and the, uh, it, it just ebbs and flows brilliantly like that um, and that for me uh, is something I absolutely love about these it's not flat it's not flat it's uh, it, it transcends different yeah uh, different things you know what I mean yeah I do yeah Yeah. very well put by the way very yeah. eloquent I think for me the I was going to say the redemption arc that's the the theme of redemption that, that's through that original trilogy um, but also the idea of different people from different backgrounds uniting against something and being completely outnumbered all the time and overwhelmingly outnumbered yeah. and yet being successful. That gives you a bit of belief in everyday life. Yeah, that gives me a... That, that, that is ultimately what societies are, isn't it? People overcoming things. So, uh, collectively, that to me resonates the most. But... um I also love the idea of jumping in a spaceship and being able to fly anywhere and land in any, you know, system. Absolutely. Explore. And I think that's why I've always wanted, like, I've always been drawn to sort of open-world gaming because I want that freedom to explore and it's discover. It's then. Yeah. All right, I've got a question. That immersiveness. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. If you could jump... So let's say if the Millennium Falcon came down into your backyard tomorrow and you could go anywhere... It's a once in a lifetime. Wait, anywhere ever? In, in, or no, in the Star in, Wars universe? In the Star Wars universe. And you can spend the day there. Where would you go? Because mm. it narrows wow. it down. Because it, like, it, it's a juxtaposition of that whole... It's huge, the Star Wars universe, but you, yeah. you can only pick one place. Well, I mean, I would say that uh, Takadana looks pretty sweet. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, I mean, because that's like my kind of place because it, it's kind of got like that Naboo feel mm -hmm. uh, with a little bit of jungle thrown in, but also um, it's got a cantina that's filled with crazy ass pirates <laughs> and whatnot. So I think I would fit in. And that I think that Maz and I would have some really, really awesome conversations. Yeah. Well, I felt. 
John's I've actually John's been to Takadana. Like you? I've well, yeah, I went uh, to course, the yeah. I went to the Magic Forest in um, mm. Puzzlewood Forest, sorry, mm. in, in near Wales, where they where they filmed it, and it was like incredible. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's only moss really, just moss grow on these weird trees that like just sort of the the roots rise out of the ground, almost like something of like Dagobah. It's fantastic, and you, you ever get to the UK, man, you've got to, you've got to visit it because it's the closest thing you will be to going to Takadana. Um, that would be awesome. You can touch it; everything just feels exactly like you expected it to, mm. and it just it's so peaceful. Um, where would I go? Where would you go first? You go first. I mean, the, the, the Falcon itself it, as a ride would be well as a oh, flight would be amazing. I don't want to get off it. <laughs> I'm so I I. I want to go to Tatooine, man. It's just, I love that. That's home. Star Wars, Tatooine is home to me. Bring your SPF, like, 2000. Yeah. 3000. You've been to Tunisia? Well, yeah, my grandparents went, and they went to the, the yeah. uh, homestead. Yeah. And they took a load of uh, Polaroids and brought them back for me. Wait, did, did did they go there specifically no, to check they, that they out? No, they just went on a holiday there, and they went on a camel ride out into the desert, and there it is. And and it's a, it's, um, yeah. You can go and have a little tour. That's pretty fucking and boss. It was pretty amazing. I um, mean, it's it's literally you know wooden. Well, the whole wooden thing, structure that, that, covered yeah. in like paper mache type thing. It's, it's in plaster. But the the you know the the homestead with the the crater type thing. Yeah, but that's ground. a completely different place. Is it? Is the it the actual blob one which Luke walks in you know, the one which Aunt Beru and um, Uncle Owen are laying burning outside get, that um, is right in the middle of the desert whereas the one the actual the place where that. where Uncle Owen goes Luke Luke yeah. even though that's supposed to be de- below below it that is actually in a completely different town oh really right in the middle of the town I'll, have to, of the dig the magic. I'll have to dig, dig yeah. out these Polaroids because they, they were like yeah, I mean, you, you'd go to both if you were there. Mm. But uh, they are they are quite a way away. But that's the, like I say, it's just the magic of films. Yeah. So uh, where would you go? Um, me, uh, yeah, <laughs> I really agree with you on the uh, on the Takodana thing. When I saw that in in The Force Awakens, that was like, like so much wow. Right. Yeah, it just looked fantastic. It looked, that was exactly so where I would like universe. to sort of spend time. Um, but I, I'd have to say Endor, and which I know is. Uh, which national park was that? It's in California, That's right? That's uh, California, yeah. Red- Redwood Forest? Yep. Um, That's the one. Yeah, I will make my... I will definitely... I'm doing a road trip of the USA, not next year, but the year after. That's the plan. Because I would by, say come to Florida, by but it's then, a shithole. <laughs> well, okay, hang on, mate. I'm coming there next oh, year. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Star Wars, man. Of course. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Galaxy says you have to come. I'm coming. I'm going with my kids. I'm using... You those. got the dates booked. I'm working on it. It's probably not when, it's not next year. When next you year. do, make sure that I know and give me some notice. Yeah, yeah you guys have got to meet up. It'd be good to hook up. I Ditto mean, if this I get is the beauty there. of having the yeah, kids. Yeah, if you're coming to, if you're coming, if you're coming at all, I mean, that's. I I've mean, got my, my cousin. Sense. My cousin lives out there too, so I'm going to try and um, hook up with her. And yeah, be good to. Some parts of America, that's okay, but. Yeah, and you're and you would be in one, so there you go. There you go. But yeah, it'd be good to it'd be good to see you guys too, man. That would be that would be so cool. I've only come close to meeting uh, one person that um, I became friends with on Instagram. He came to um, he came to Disney World I think in September, and I think his phone was broken. So I mean, it's not like it's just down the street for me. It's about an no. hour and forty five minutes. Sure, but it's America's still a not fucking big place. You know, Imagine I would I would drive. be more than happy to make that drive. 
International Drive, isn't it? You Disney walk out World. of Grayson's house and you just look across the street and it's literally the entrance <laughs> to Disney World. God, that would, that would <laughs> be a very double-edged sword indeed. Uh, no, yeah. you walk outside of my house. There are palm trees, a canal. I'm about, couple of I'd bodies. say, an eight-minute drive from the beach. Yeah, actually, they do find bodies in, in canals and uh, okay. drainage ponds swarmed with alligators. That is a thing that happens yeah. here. It doesn't happen often, ladies and gentlemen, but it does happen less in than the bayou. five miles from my house. Yeah. <laughs> so, what an endorsement for Florida. If you so listen on to this from the UK, get on down, get eaten by a crocodile. Treat yourself. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's fucked Treat up. Treat yourself you to know. a painful death. <laughs> yeah, there are dinosaurs that live pretty close to home. Yeah, yeah. they are. They are literally the closest thing we have to dinosaurs now, aren't they? It's so. fucking crazy. But um, but yeah. So that almost happened, and uh, I know that it would be like the craziest, uh, most insane coincidence if you both ever found yourselves over here at the same time. Uh, but you know, I'll take you one you at a time. Give, definitely give you a ring. Yeah, I wouldn't, please I do. I wouldn't go to Florida and go. Oh, by the way, I was in Florida last month. Yeah, I would, I would let you know well in advance and say, I'm going to be there these days. Let's find a date. Yeah, I would. I would have a name for it. It's you know, I was. Sandwich. <laughs> I was. I was actually, and this was the word I was searching for you. I was called a quim for the first time in my life. <laughs> um, quim. Just I, the other I, day. I don't use well, that I'm, word. I'm, it's familiar, but I don't know what I don't well, really mean. I, the, 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 I know what the British meaning uh, is, but I don't know. Does it mean with C? Poem, yeah. Yeah, so, I think so. So uh, no, I think it starts with Q. The word itself. Q U is it Q U I M? And I don't know. And that's the called, funny thing about so, communication. So, so it's actually the word. The word is an action. It's, yeah, it's I think Luke said you quim. I think, um, and I believe it uh, is synonymous uh, or or perhaps a derogatory term for a woman's lady parts. And oh, that's the funny yeah. thing is the communication difference between the two of us here. If I call someone a cunt over here, I better have like Johnny fucking Cochran, you know, because <laughs> like I'm I'm going away. But uh, <laughs> you know, oh my God. over there, you know, it's it's just a little different, you know. As, uh, I, I don't know. So it's it's funny. Casual. You know, we all speak the same language. I think over here know, it's probably considered uh, the most who, the who, most offensive swear word. But I certainly don't. People just don't. Say tr- it. I don't save it up. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't just go. I suppose I do. I do. I, yeah, I think I called someone a cunt yesterday. I don't even. Well, you, you've used it several times since I've been there. <laughs> okay, maybe. I think. I was trying to get out of a you you're know you're a leaky tap. I was trying to get out of a car park and there was just on oncoming people and no one was leaving enough gap for my tiny little car to get out just to let me into the line. You, hang on. And I'm like, you fucking cunt. You could have had twat, knobhead. I think prick, knobhead's prick I use a lot. Knobhead's prick. a nice rounded one. That's a good one. You can kinda of get away you could call your nana knobhead and get away with it. Yeah, pr- prick is quite a good one because no one likes being called a prick. And also the way you say it, you, can, you fucking prick. Well, yeah. it, it kind of <laughs> when John gets it angry, kind of but... it immediately sets people off. It's great. Like, yeah. Like, how on earth were you called a quim? Who called? No you one that? backs down from being called a. Prick. Uh, let's see. I think. I think I'm gonna have to call you out, Luke. Uh, it was, I was in. Say, it sounds very It was Welsh. in my Instagram messages. I think Excellent. I had missed something. I forget what the context was. I forget what the I scenario was. Because my missus. I had Welsh. made a dumbass statement. I think, or maybe I'd gotten something wrong. I don't recall, and I was like, "Wow, that's that's a first for me." <laughs> I think my, uh, I'm trying to bring Dickwad back to life. 
Um, now I will say the even only 1991 time. Or yeah, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to resuscitate. Well, it was Terminator, that. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the first time I had heard the word Quim though was in Avengers, where uh, I had read an article. It was like, did Joss Whedon squeeze in what we think he squeezed in? And uh, I was like, well, what the fuck is this? So I started reading, and I went back and watched the movie um, when Black Widow is interrogating Loki. Right to try to get him to give something away. He calls her a mewling quim. So now that I understand the context a little bit better, I was just like, holy shit. Like, Joss Whedon totally snuck in. I'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah. That's quite good, that, isn't it? And I like that. Yeah. I love all those um, um, British-American-ism that get mixed up. And... Yeah, it's, it's Can crazy. Can I quickly just throw in something here that I just remembered, and it occurred to me Sure, why not? I think we've really, we kind of hit the bottom of the barrel. I don't know where it came from, but I was remembering um, Empire Strikes Back, which I've seen, we've all seen hundreds and hundreds of times. Is that the scene where Darth Vader turns around and goes, you, you fucking no. grim? Solo, Leia, C-3PO, they're running for the Falcon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Solo says, either, words to the effect, hurry up, Goldenrod. You want to be a yes. permanent resident. Okay, who approved that line? Because that would suggest that the flower, the na- the, nick- the American nickname, the flower, Goldenrod, right? Right. Uh, exists in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, well, there are a few of those, I think, that are kind of... And like, another know, thing my brother finds really weird is the mention of hell. Yeah, yep, you took the word Star right Wars. out of my I th- mouth. I think someone, I can't remember who, I think it's got to be Solo. Yeah. Or he was going to search for Skywalker, and it's like, uh, your Tauntaun will freeze before, yada, yeah, yada, yada. Yeah, that's right, he'll see you in hell. It's like, okay, so the concept of hell exists in Star Wars, but the concept of God and heaven doesn't. doesn't. But the concept hmm. of the Force does. And hell, hell comes from the New Testament. In and both the of those are probably the works of maybe, Earth. ah, could be Lee Brackett. Because Lee Brackett's yeah. script. Well, was, we're definitely do you going down Darth a, a Vader, different road. Darth Vader hey, goes. Do you know uh, what annoys the plans, me? man. The plans. Do you know what annoys me more than, <laughs> <laughs> more than anything? Is that ruddy snake in Dagobah? Oh yeah. yeah, it, it is. It rips you right out of the moment. <laughs> at least it does for me. Anyway, I don't mind that. I'm never gonna forget about that. But at least put some ears on it and a, a few pink spots. <laughs> Jazz it up a bit. I want a jazzy space snake. Um, staple on some some antlers. Yeah, exactly. Well, guys, I have. Uh, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Um, I've had my little one here sitting next to me oh, this whoa. whole time. <laughs> I hope and, he hasn't uh, been listening. Shit. Oh no, she's had headphones on this whole time. Oh, um, but it is actually her bedtime, which means we need to wind this one on down. So yeah, man, it's half twelve, half Hello. midnight. Hey. Hello. I'm terribly <laughs> sorry for the appalling <laughs> language no. your dad has no. been saying to you. And, oh uh, God! Uh, well, well, she's had headphones. I've had headphones, so that's it's good. all good. We've actually been um, passing notes back and forth. You still have that? Do you still have that note, honey? What? Where did that note card go? Could you bring it to me? Pretty please. Parent of the year. Let's see. Yep. So, let's see. What is this? It says, "I love you." Aww. Do you love me? I love you so much. That's so cute. That and really that is sweet. my best sweet girl. But it is her bedtime. <laughs> All right. And well, uh, so that means I've got to go. So have we. I mean, seriously. It's our bedtime. <laughs> We've got work in the morning. We've got to be up at 5.30. 5 hours sleep. Yeah. Whoops. 
Anyway, but it's been a pleasure talking to you, finally, both yeah, of us. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that is definitely a sacrifice, um, so I'll try no, not to extend it. No, it's no biggie. We, we, we are very, very pleased to talk to you. We, we were so hyped to do it today. and so glad we could. Awesome. Well, I would very much like to have some one-off chats with you guys. I know it's not going to happen often, but, you know, whenever it does, whenever we can put it together, you know, you're always welcome. So Yeah, for John, sure. Just Jude, a show gentlemen. all about Alien 3. I'm, I'm right with you. I have, I have no problem with that. <laughs> you guys have a good night and a great sleep. Yeah, man. And, uh, and we'll talk to you both again soon. Wicked. You guys take care. Take care, man. Cheers, mate. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to John and Jude for taking time out of their night to join me and talk some Star Wars. It is always a pleasure, and I look forward to doing that again soon. Speaking of soon, make sure that you join me for the next episode where I will be discussing Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope, a film that some of us may alternately know simply as Star Wars.